your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined as always by Ryan, following Everton's season opening victory at home at Goodison Park against Southampton, a 3-1 win. We'll be diving into that in great detail in just a few moments, but we wanted to spotlight some of the excitement going on in terms of the North American toffee community and the American toffee community. Uh, Everton in the USA is doing a spotlight weekly for supporters groups around the country, and this week for the opening of the Premier League season, they spotlighted the Atlanta Evertonians, and so if you are a uh, part of a supporters group, definitely reach out to them to get involved and get your group spotlighted because we all want to see what the match day routines look like for groups around the nation. And along with the crowds in, it was good to see, I mean, the North American toffees all over the place. Um, and Everton, the USA just kept retweeting different people's tweets, which was kind of funny. Uh, you got Jordan from the Vice City Evertonians flashing the new kit and everything. Chicago Evertonians are representing as usual um, at AJ Hudson's, uh, which is nice. Just nice to see everyone back together. We had a ton of other groups too: Minnesota Toffees, NYC Evertonians. I, I was up and around New York City. Couldn't make it on Saturday, unfortunately, but I was there Sunday. Sorry, guys. I'm looking forward to getting up there and watching one with them. We had a couple more out there too, James, I believe. Yeah, we had the the Utahfies, which is probably the best uh, clever you supporters name that we have. The Carolina Toffees as well in Henderson, North Carolina, and many, many more, of course. Um, so really great to see that community continue to flourish around the country. Uh, just quickly again, before we get into the actual match itself, a couple of announcements. There was a release. Obviously, the the club released a uh, pre-match kit for the team to wear supporting inclusivity. And it looks like those had sold out, but the ones worn by the players on Saturday, if you haven't seen the kit, it's pretty difficult to describe, but it's, <laughs> it's cool. certainly, certainly easy on the eye. Um, and the, the shirts worn by the players are up for auction uh, and money raised will support Everton in the community's youth engagement program with a focus on delivering LGBT, LGBTI plus awareness elements in schools. So yep, a great initiative. To, yep. Just go to at match worn shirt. And I think um, in addition to that the Everton fans forum um, at EFC underscore fans forum, I've uh, been kicking off a project to send a, a message accordingly as well. So um, send a photo, you taking the knee, raising your arm, just some sort of gesture that we were, they were going to feature at Goodison um, hashtag all together. Now hashtag Evertonians against hate. So these are great, important messages. And right along that, too, um, it was good to see the Syracuse Toffees also joining several other groups, raising money via an auction for the upstate Galiciano Children's Hospital uh, up in upstate New York, uh, directly in Syracuse, New York. Um, Syracuse Toffees donated a couple different things there, stuff that we're very familiar with, but pretty, pretty cool things, I think. Yeah, they had an Everton hat signed by Tim Howard, one of the brand new third kits, which my God, it's beautiful. beautiful. Um, and an autographed copy of Toffee signed by, signed by none other than Dr. David France. So really good initiative and obviously great to see uh, that North American Toffees 
getting engaged in the spirit of Everton, which is giving back to the community. So fantastic yeah. to see. And the last thing too, yeah, the Oregon, the Oregon Evertonians uh, retweeted, uh, or the Everton USA retweeted their message, just to remind people that the chance to win the ultimate Everton experience as well for for those who haven't been overseas to see a match, um, check it out. You know, you can enter at EvertonFC.com. Um, nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, if you get it paid for, it's even better. Yeah, and so the the package, the I guess that's a sweepstakes of sorts, includes a return flight. Uh, accommodation while you're in Liverpool, Merseyside Derby tickets and tickets to some of the best attractions around the city of Liverpool. And there are many. Uh, so definitely enter that because who doesn't want to all expenses paid essentially trip overseas. Yep. So a lot of good things happening. And I think the most important thing was the game itself and that crowds are back. Oh, um, it was so yeah. good to see a pack to get us in. It was. And, and I couldn't help but not think it had some impact on the fact that Everton won a Premier League game after finding themselves behind at halftime for the first time since September of 2015. Uh, drawing six and losing 46 of their 52 such oh. games since them. Woo, that's crazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, EFC Stato had another one out here that was pretty surprising as well. Yeah, Everton's 3-1 win over Southampton. The first time the Blues won by at least two goals on the opening day of the season since 1996. That was a 2-0 win versus Newcastle. So, needless to say, Everton's starting the season brightly. And, yeah, Ryan, I mean, you called out the crowds being a big difference, but give us your kind of instant match reaction. For a first match playing entirely different tactics, uh, we got it done. Again, the opposition wasn't great. And I think the personnel and the setup uh, kind of lended itself to an approach, but it worked. And I was happy to see adjustments made and, and what I thought was a distinct tactical plan to attack a team that I think is about the most predictable in the league. And, uh, you know, we'll take it. Uh, even I was even encouraged by some things in the first half, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves, of course, like I typically am, try and be somewhat objective. <laughs> we got a long ways to go, but it was a great start. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think people were, really almost ready to hate this Everton team this season. And you could see that happen at halftime when we were down, but it, it was really great to see sort of the course correction, the adjustments made by Rafa at halftime and just the resilience of the team able to fight back from a deficit after going behind in such an unfortunate uh, way. That said, I think we really were the better team for almost the entire game besides maybe a tiny stretch here or there. And we have the better players. Southampton are pretty diabolically bad and, potentially could get worse if they continue to sell all their best players, but I'm not looking at the negatives for now. I'm taking the positives. And it was, I think about as given the, the personnel who played, I think it was a really solid debut and hopefully something to build on for the remainder of the season. Agree. We did have two members of the discord, uh, get the score predictions, right? Uh, UTMFT three, one Everton, of course, and Joe shite. Got it. Longtime contributor, hope yes. springs eternal with his message afterwards, which I'm sure he thought was gloriously optimistic, but it turned out <laughs> right. Uh, we did have another prediction, correct? Um, S. Stupka, um, his prediction was three no and three nil, and he didn't get the score right, but he did predict that he was going to be drinking micheladas at La Doña Cerveceria with the Minnesota Toffees, and that prediction did come to pass. So, congratulations, buddy. Nailed it. Props to you. Um, but let's well, let's get into it, Ryan. Let's talk tactics. 
let's start with Everton. We, of course, had uh, the lineups come out 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we saw relatively predictable, I think, although I was a little thrown by the attacking selection. So Rafa, of course, went with back four, Seamus Coleman, Luca Dean, Keenan Holgate paired at center back. We had Jordan Pickford in net, obviously. And then Alon and Decore playing a bit more defensive mid with Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, Richarlison, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And when the lineup dropped, I was confused because there's obviously no uh, outright number 10. And so I was thinking maybe a 4-4-2 and you have uh, Townsend and Richarlison wide and then maybe play like or, or Gray wide and have Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin play striker. But it turned out Rafa elected to play Damari Gray at the 10 to start, which was I thought was curious. It was curious. I had a feeling we might see Richarlison in there kind of like he did with uh, Gareth Bale uh, at Madrid. Um, I don't think that's his best position. We saw it in the second half. We'll get to that in a second. I also don't think the 10 is Gray's best position as well, but there, we were kind of stacking people on certain sides and, and, and it worked out. I mean, he at least was showing initiative, but um, if you don't want to start with the Wobi at that position is a little more natural. That's fine. I think Ralph had a distinct plan and he went with it uh, and we had some misses. There's no question. I mean, when you've got James, Godfrey, Mina, Bameen, Keen, all these guys out for various reasons. Um, that's a lot of quality to not, not having the lineup. Um, yeah, but it was a four, two, three, one. I thought, I think you saw Dean pushing up a little higher with Alon on his side to kind of support him sitting deeper Decorey pushed a little higher and Townsend and Coleman to Corey kind of working, knowing that they're going to attack on the left. So Southampton, no surprise set up in their four, four, two, like they pretty much always do. Um, and again, I, I think their strength is Ward Prowse and Romeo in the middle stacked together. You can't play through the middle against them. Uh, we learned that last year, despite us trying, um, they had three new, three new players in there too. Armstrong, I, I think is an interesting player, pretty dynamic, a good guy to team up with Che Adams up top. Um, Livermento uh, coming out of the youth teams of Chelsea, I thought was outstanding at right back. Would you not agree? Totally. Yeah. He definitely stood out. Uh, Peroud was a new guy to replace at left back. It wasn't especially effective. I, I don't think, I think the di big difference from last year too, is they played Theo Walcott on the right side instead of Stuart Armstrong. I think when he teamed up with Kyle Walker Peters last year, Armstrong's very defensively oriented for a wide player. And I think they made it impossible to play from the left, despite our best efforts. Either way, I thought Raphael showed showed pretty good balance um, in terms of how we attacked them. But let's be honest, they're a weak inside. I mean, they had two big sales. Granted, they were older players for good fees. But I mean, this team needs needs to strengthen, I, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think they're and it looks like. I haven't heard much in terms of incomings for them, but I did hear rumored that there are suitors for James Ward Prowse and you take him out of that side and good God. I mean, it's pretty bleak for them, but uh, much to the benefit of Everton in this circumstance. So not complaining too, too much. And uh, certainly a very cross heavy tactical approach from Rafa today, Ryan, which is a bit uh, not the typical Rafa tactical strategy, but makes sense given the team and the personnel we are going up against, as well as who we had on the pitch for us. Yeah, Hamas, I think you're you're definitely right. There was more of an emphasis on crosses. We had 18 in total. I mean, last year we had 16, though, in our first matchup with them. 15 of the 16 were from the left. 
you know, wow. which just it's just played. I mean, we mentioned that before we did a preview in that one and, and did not play into that left side. Um, I, I did like how we crossed, though. I thought that was better. I mean, it was mostly in the box. I, I, I've talked a little bit about some of Damari Gray's weaknesses and I, he can serve a ball well, but his issue with crossing is he just doesn't get his head up very much. You know what I mean? He's not comfortable playing as that kind of wide majestic server. Um, but he really wasn't asked to do that. I mean, we were almost blindly crossing the ball. Do we think that's a conscientious decision or Rafa to say here, hit it right here, Dominic Calvert-Lewin get there, you know, don't you? I mean, I felt that way. I don't know if that's true or not. No, it certainly seemed that way. There was, there was an intent through Everton's play, it may have been um, a, a little underwhelming at times in terms of the execution, but there was a clear purpose, play the ball long, get it wide, get it in, let the guys run onto it and let them fire in crosses for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And it paid dividends eventually. And we created some pretty good chances compared to what we were able to do last season. So the directness and the, and the purpose there certainly uh, bolstered our opportunities to score. And I thought even in the first half, we created some really effective chances that I think Dom was caught, caught flat-footed a couple times, um, but even Richarlison was looking for for balls in and and Townsend as well. So we utilized our personnel and we we played to the opposition. Agreed. Uh, I also liked how compact we were defending and even in attack. I mean, there were times where Richarlison, when we had the ball, was in the right half space, even though he started at left wing and Dean halfway over. I mean, I just liked. I didn't see as many of the gaps behind our center mids and, and the back line, which was good. I mean, the back line wasn't entirely comfortable playing out of the back, um, but we didn't try and play through the middle too. Right. I mean, left side, 38%, 42% right side, only 20% down the middle. And I, I think that's, I think that's what you want. You know what I mean? And I, I think that was very obvious. Um, and I think the shots charts that I know you like a lot told a story as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shows that we were able to get a lot of shots in dangerous positions. And obviously we shot Southampton by a significant margin, but not only that, we had almost 30% of our shots within the six yard box, 50% inside the 18 and just 21 outside. So a pretty good distribution. I mean, taking some ambitious takes from outside the box, but coupling that with some high percentage looks and obviously all of our goals came from, from inside the box. So that just, uh, enforces that theory you don't want to take too many long ones and furthermore we kept Southampton out of the six so they had no shots inside the six and 83 percent inside the 18 but they didn't have a very high volume and I thought that there were very few that they were dangerous from besides the obvious goal that was gifted to them yeah I, I agree and just kind of going through the timeline in terms of there, there were a couple momentum swings that I think were slightly concerning but I don't think they were especially dangerous and I felt early that we looked organized we looked like we knew what we were going to doing we had a sense of purpose whether it was pick trying to release the ball very quickly you know um, and even Alon got into the action how about that he had an earlier shot on target can you believe that. I know I really liked to see both both Alon and Decore afforded different opportunities to get forward. I think Decore more so as the game wore on and Alon was more much more reserved, but to get him a shot on target that early, just for context. I mean, we talked on the squad assessment about how few touches in the penalty area he had, but also only two shots on target all season last year. And he got an early look in like the sixth minute. So uh, bodes well for I think uh Alon, if he wants to get on the score sheet at some point, he might actually get a chance this year. Yeah, it was nice to see. I think we also had some early signs of concerns in the back line as well, too. I know in the yeah. 10th, you know, of course, Mason, one thing that we harped on last year is his 
long passes, just handing them the ball, you know, not even giving us a, a chance to win a second ball. We saw that. I saw it three separate times in the first half. He had one early in the 10th. He had kind of a bad second touch in a ball that he didn't need to do. They just looked a little uneasy, but I really felt like the two best chances for us to score. Um, and I think even, even compared to the goals were in the 16th and the 20th. I mean, the first one, you made the point that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was maybe not not quite ready for us to send in so many early crosses, but in the 16th, I mean, Richarlison gets a ball from pick, I believe, and then hits a, an early cross with his left foot. I mean, if Don anticipates that one a little better, does he bury that sucker? Yeah. I mean, that's his sweet spot. That's where he makes, that's where he makes his money, obviously. And he wasn't far off. It's not like he's, you know, True. six yards away from the ball. He near, very nearly gets a touch on it, but um, not quite in that position. And I think you can probably chalk that up to early season, still getting used to the new tactics. And um, I think that if we continue to, to execute in that way and find feed the beast that is DCL in the box, he'll be able to get a lot of one touch goals. Yeah. And Townsend had another one in the 20th, yeah. which I don't know how on earth we only got a little stab shot from Dom in there, how we didn't do any yeah. more with that was dangerous as well. And, and, and you can see he does have quality cutting on his left um, even if it wasn't necessarily a consistent threat, um, but he can serve a ball. No question. It was right in the heart of where we looked like we were aiming as well. And, and another thing to remember is, I mean, Southampton was the worst in the league last year in area win percentages. So uh, this is the time. If you're going to cross the ball a lot, this is the team you want to do it against. And I think that was an obvious play, especially with Townsend on the right wing. You know what I'm, I'm hoping yeah. we can improve in that area and play, um, hopefully get someone here in the window before it's over. But in the meantime, if he's in there, definitely serve it up. Um, but, you know, the early kind of Holgate indication of confusion or lack of confidence in the back, unfortunately, did us in in the 22nd. I, this was <laughs> this is uh, bad an error as it gets. Yeah. And it's even more frustrating, given that we, I think, were by far the dominant side to then yes. have this. Look, Michael Keane gets caught in possession. He tries to turn around. He gives the ball away. And it's goes the error goes to Keane, but I'm also like very confused about what Mason Holgate's doing what there. They're that? like two yards apart. Why are you not giving him some sort of option? And he winds up for it like he's gonna boot it and misses it. Yeah, just get the ball and get it out. What the heck was that? I mean, it's still Keane's mistake for being hesitant, but um I will say this, though. I mean, a lot of times we just look at a, a dead breakaway that and, and just assume they're going to be goals. It does not always play out that way. Can we talk about Armstrong's finish? Yeah, it was a really quality finish. And I think the shot, despite the fact that he was alone in on goals, only like a 0.45 XG. So I think that gives you maybe even less gives you a little bit of context. But look, it's, it's a freebie, essentially. Yeah. And we're down one and we know this Everton team or Everton teams of the recent past let their heads get down and struggle to overcome these sorts of deficits. So to concede that early when we were dominant was really frustrating, but I also was encouraged by the response. I think we still continued to, to go at them. And uh, I think the next major event would have been just eight minutes later in the 30th minute when Richarlison gets a yellow for simulation, Ryan. And I know we both wanted to talk about this. It may be deserved, but I don't understand how you can't call a foul first. I mean, it's yeah. outside the box, too. That's normally a layup foul call. He was definitely fouled. The thing is, I mean, if he takes one more step and doesn't go down immediately, he probably collides with um, 
you know, Romeo, I don't know if he gets the call or not, but it, it seems to be, this is what we're seeing in the premier league. And we saw it all the first weekend that they're not given any of the softies at all. Uh, I mean, encouraged to see a yellow for simulation, but, but let's be consistent about it, please in the premier league. Cause I can rattle off about seven or eight guys that dive all over the place that don't get fouled like Richarlison. Yep. Um, so look fine. Uh, I, I also see, I, we weren't awful after the goal, but I don't think that like leading up to halftime, I didn't think we were especially as dangerous as I was hoping we would be. Um, but look, we got to halftime. We were still much better side. It was disappointing. That was one, nothing. And I mean, I think there were some boo birds out in terms of the score line. The performance oh wasn't terrible, but, but, and I mean, you mentioned some of the reactions on social media were over the top. It was really just discouraging like you want to go into the new season with at least a shred of optimism and i know we have expressed some concerns about the direction of the club blah 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 but look we were the better team maybe not for the whole half we go behind because we gifted them a goal and people are i mean rafa out this team never changes they're still atrocious i'm not watching this anymore we're gonna get battered we're going down all of these sorts of hyperbolic shouts that come out when Everton is losing a match. Basically, that's like the the only Everton are losing. We're going down. We're winning matches or we're ahead. We're winning the league. So it's just the the, the polarity there I find amusing. But um, important changes made at halftime that really did, I think, put Everton in the driver's seat for most of the second half. A lot of people talked about moving Richie to, to in essence, the 10 uh, and Gray back out left. I, I still don't think... It was nice to have Richarlison get the ball maybe a little bit more and give him some freedom to kind of roam around and receive it. I still think he's more dangerous coming off the left, but Gray was very good off the left at that point. And I think yeah. that that did matter. Um, I, I think the the probably, I mean, you could argue, a lot of people would say that was the big one. To me, though, I, I mean, yes, we scored and that was great, but I, I almost think the keen Holgate switching sides was even better. And I don't know if it was just a mental thing, but I mean, you know, Michael Keane was actually good in the air. I mean, he was four for four for four in terms of winning aerials. Holgate was was two for five. But I, I think so. I, I sent out a poll out there and, and it seemed like 87 percent or 88 percent of the people out there thought it was more of a good adjustment rather than a bad setup. Uh, but I think Steve Jones at Steve one Jones nailed it. I mean, he he said, look, first half Adams was beating Holgate physically and in the air every time, but not Keane second half. Um, and so he's right. You know, I counted 14 overall aerial challenges by Che Adams. 11 of them were in the first half and he was, you know, successful against Holgate several times. Now, now a couple times the service from McCarthy was under hit and Decore scooped him up and just, you know, Che Adams is not going to physic out physical Decore, even if Che is yeah. a strong guy and Holman Coleman stuffed him a couple times, but really he saw very little of it in the second half. In fact, I don't think he had a single aerial challenge from like the 45th to about the 70th. And at that point they tried hoofing him up to him a couple times, but Keen was just gobbling him up. So um, kudos to the change. I think, I, I, I think I go with that too. It was a good adjustment. And if we, it, it's probably worth noting, there was a reason he set up that way based on the players in front of them and how Southampton wanted to attack. But I did want to remind our listeners that, look, in 1920, you know, the season when Holgate was at his best and people were saying he was the best defender we had at the club, which I frankly disagreed with, but I understood the sentiment. He was playing left center mid, you know, and he looked a little more comfortable there paired with a steady Eddie and either Keen or Mina. So um, I, maybe you could argue, hey, 
Rafa, maybe you should have started out that way. But either way, you don't know which side Che Adams is going to play because he's not played with Armstrong before. So I can't totally hold that against him. Um, but still, I mean, and Holgate looked like he cooled down some of the long balls. Uh, but yeah, I mean, got to cut that out. I mean, it's just killing us. And I, I cannot imagine that he maybe both of them don't see the game you know, this, this weekend, that would be very interesting. Um, But more importantly, I mean, I I think the immediate impact, whether it was some master stroke or not, we did look energized. We came out of half with energy as, as someone might've described it more spirit. Um, (laughs) And immediately in the 40, 47th minute, we got what I think we really needed to get the crowd back into it. And that was the goal by Richarlison. Hugely important goal. And it was off of a, a, basically an aftermath of a corner, uh, there was a poor clearance. It comes to Andrews Townsend, immediately looks to play at far post. Richarlison shows some great instinct and a really quality finish, full volley out of the air, roofs it, and uh, immediately we we equalize and set the stage for plenty of time now. The game is well, totally up for grabs at that point, all three points. And I think just that early goal completely shifted the mood, and you could really feel Goodison Park, even through the TV, like erupt and, and really start to back the players. And we saw uh, that kickstart and galvanize the team. Yeah. I thought the next 10 minutes after that, we looked good, dangerous, energetic, and we didn't create a ton, but you know, it was kind of on at that point, you know, it's a shame too uh, for Southampton because uh, Mo Salas, who kind of, kind of misplayed that one a little bit. Although you said Stevens was doing some pretty funny stuff as well, but like, Salas was excellent all match, by the way. I, I I wanted him badly last summer, as you know, um, just for the price tag alone. Obviously, that Ben Godfrey guy is decent, but um, he's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Salas who had to stop right in because Vestergaard went, so uh, he right. did a good job. But this is where suddenly I think we had some short term momentum for sure. But I, I also felt like you know. Southampton suddenly came alive in about the 60th. In fact, from the 60th to the 70th, they had five corners. We had zero and they had some momentum and it's one to one at that point. And I'm thinking, oh, for heaven's sakes, come on, we're better than these guys. We need a change or to do something. So, of course, in the in the 70th minute, Benitez makes, um, I thought, a, a, a needed sub um, bringing in Alex Awobi. And I'm going to leave the commentary to you at that point. <laughs> yeah, look, he he took out Townsend, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little in a little bit more detail. But I was really pleased with his debut. You know, don't sure. have the highest expectations for him, but he worked really hard off the ball, got up and down against Southampton, made an emphasis of attacking down there left or right. So he had to do a, a lot of defensive work yes. with Seamus Coleman um, and also put in some dangerous crosses. So you can, I don't think you can ask a whole lot more, but he was clearly exhausted. And I think the introduction of Alex Awobi. Look, people were were lauding him, praising his performance. If you've ever listened to this show, you know that we think Alex Iwobi is a pretty decent player when he's allowed to get into attacking positions, which is exactly what he was allowed to do in his substitute appearance. And you see the dividends there. Look, he won a dangerous free kick in a dangerous area. He was involved in both the goals that we would then score. Uh, and just five minutes after his introduction, we had one of the most, I think, just incredible goals by Abdullah Decore. No, at no point until it was in the back of the net did I think it had a, the slightest chance of going in. And he pulls off this unbelievable turn in the box. And it was the header from Alex Awobi that set him up. But really, that's an individual masterclass and some really impressive skill from Decore there. I love the reaction too. I mean, he buries it in the corner. He loses his mind. Shirt off, off. Limbs. 
out of the stands comes a big hug. But how does that happen, by the way? For Americans, it's still a shocking to me where you yeah. see dudes jumping out of this. I mean, I know it's so close. If you've been to Goodison, I mean, you could literally step right on the field. Um, but to see them all jump out there hugging with and Richarlison comes flying in, diving on top <laughs> of the pile. Like, what is going on? But we had some solid limbs. Uh, it was great. What a goal. What an important goal. You can't wow. say enough about Decorey. Just his defensive efforts alone were amazing up to that point. He had the slalom move in like the 60th with the ball was one of the most graceful dribbling moves I've ever seen him make. Um, and he just deserved, his defensive efforts were so tremendous. It was so good to see an offensive payoff, uh, you know, offensive payoff. I mean, the guy had 18 recoveries. He only had more than that once last season. And by the way, so I went and looked, I was like, you know, just as an aside, I was kind of looking historically. Um, he had, by the way, 21 and 28 against us in 1920 um, with Watford, 28 recoveries. And I thought that was a lot. He actually had 30 against us in 1718. But anyway, wow. the point is, you know, Decorey, all his effort and, and he was dangerous all game. I mean, you saw with the early crosses Decorey, kind of what we thought we, we would get when we talked about the squad assessment. He was the late arriving head charging guy who would he could get to the edge of the box in no time at all. And he was there for headers as well. He was kind of the more he was playing in more of a box to box role, which where we think yeah. how he can excel. And against a team like Southampton, where we don't have to sit back quite as much. He was effective. What a goal. Um, you know, we'll talk about man of the match. He's obviously a massive candidate. Um, and then sure enough, five minutes later, we get basically the dagger for Southampton, which was a great sequence of play. Yeah, it was a, so Wobie has it on the wing. He plays it into Richarlison. What a first kind touch, of, by the way. I mean, really you know, angled away from the goal that could not have been easier to take it as cleanly as he did. So good. And then the, the quick cross and Dom with the Andy Gray ass diving at her to put us up three, <laughs> nice. one and seal it. And it was uh, just a, a really magnificent comeback and a great way to open the season. Um, and just to put it to rest in the 81st and after at that point, I think Southampton were pretty defeated and we kind of just did everything right to see the game out and secure all three points. And uh, that was that done and dusted. But there's, of course, some plenty more to dissect in terms of the individual performance. I mean, you look at I think Awobi was one of the big talking points because he was the incredibly impactful sub. And I think the key here, Ryan, is that he was just used differently than he had been prior. He was allowed to actually get forward and attack, and that's supported by the numbers. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, he had four touches inside the penalty area in 21 minutes. I mean, he only surpassed four touches in the penalty area twice all of last season. Both were in 90-minute matches versus Burnley and Wolves. You know, I mean, he had two goal-created actions, the most in the team, in 21 minutes. No one had more than one. I mean, you know, he had the assist, and then they had kind of the hockey assist. He had two shots, one shot on target that was – kind of a weak, weak effort, but I mean, that was a weak effort. I, I know it was, it was a great run to get the ball, but I mean, again, he's yeah. on his weak foot. I still hate him on the right. I don't think it's a good position for him. Um, he was, I guess, kind of what we needed. I don't want to overblow his performance. So I don't think he was that amazing. I, I, I no. think, I think Richarlison deserves as much credit as anyone for his receipt of the pass. Um, the Corey really made the goal, but he was at least used differently. And I think it was encouraging to see that he can create and wreck havoc sometimes when he's deployed properly, even if he's on his wrong side, just don't necessarily expect him to be a goal threat from that side. But it was good to see that option. Uh, I'd still like to see him play down the middle. Maybe that will change. We'll see how things go against Leeds. 
And look, we closed it out from there. I mean, really, they threatened once, um, which was, uh, you know, I felt bad. I mean, this was Gen- just I know Janepo was was dangerous all match. Um, he's but- clever. He's clever with the ball at his feet. And he put oh. Seamus Coleman on his backside. And it was, so uh, bad. it was so bad. It's like broken ankle in basketball, you know, so yeah. bad. The it sad was, part is Coleman stuffed him a bunch of times before that. I, yeah. I thought he was tough all match. I mean, but yeah, he got killed on that one. But that was it. I mean, really close it out from there. And look, Seamus Coleman deserves a lot of credit for his defensive contributions. What? Five tackles, three interceptions, the combined total of eight. How many times did he do better than that last season? Once, right? Yeah. I mean, only, only did, did better than, yeah, six once all of last season. Unreal. So deserve it man i mean and that's part of its tactics but part of it's his willing to dig in and be a captain you know yeah um look overall we got the better chances here did we not we deserve the win absolutely so typically last season we would look at xg philosophy for the xg we went with fb ref this time and they a lot of the numbers are pretty similar but they had everton at 2.4 to 0.7 um for southampton which just I think supports everything that that was they've got the best model. regarding it's the a stats bomb driven model I, I would go with that one over any by a mile and you can read about the model but yeah I think that's a decent reflection of it I mean they really weren't dangerous other than the goal we gifted them um yeah but we did see a big change in tactics I think from last year oh yeah 100 percent. I mean we saw a lot we talked about it earlier a lot more purpose but also a lot more get the ball the heck up the pitch as soon yeah. as we get possession back and we saw 110 long ball attempts last season. We only were had more than that 10 times, um, but they're com- at the expense of the completion rate. So long pass completion rate of under 50%, 47%, which we were only worse from long balls twice last season. So you see clearly get the ball up, find guys running in channels, but at the expense of, look, we weren't super successful at finding them all the time. And there were a lot of, a lot of wasteful giveaways, quite frankly. And I think, you know, we talked about Mason Holgate in the first half, but he was by no means the only culprit. No, I mean, the overall pass percentage of 70.4%. I mean, we were only worse than that twice all year, twice last year overall. Um, But look, I mean, when you look at the long passes, I mean, that's what Rafa does, you know, long passes, not necessarily in the air, although he does like to use the target forward as a release point more so than a a goal scorer. Uh, But you look at him, I mean, look at all the attempts, you know, pick, you know, didn't have the greatest percentage completion rate, but he did have a couple instrumental service. Uh, Seamus was fine. Keen was fine. I mean, nine of 17, 10 of 14. And then there's Mason Holgate, five of 14. I mean, please explain to the why does he feel the need to serve the ball? I mean, King gave it away a couple times early, but he also had an amazing ping to Coleman at one point across field. Um, Look, if we're going to serve the ball, I mean, can he at least just tap it to someone else to do it? I just I don't like it. You know, you can play a vertical pass fine, but you can't be serving the ball up to the point where literally there's no chance of second ball. I mean, just handing it to them with no one within 30 yards. I mean, at least when Keen was serving it up there, Dom had a chance to get ahead on it, or at least someone was around the ball to possibly win a second ball and then bam, play someone through and hit him fast. I mean, this can't continue. And this is why people say, I think we use the term arrogant at one point. And I think people are misconstruing this. I, I don't know if he's an arrogant kid. He seems like a joyous, vibrant type of personality that most teams like. But this is bad decision-making, man. I mean, he cannot be doing this. It it kills teams. It killed us all the second half of last year, and it's not his fault that Carlo kept playing him. But this has got to stop. I mean, and the bottom line is, look, 
look, playing it out of the back was something that we didn't do as much with Rafa as we did with Carlo. And I, I wouldn't anticipate it. And, and we, some of our touches, I mean, we had only 77 touches in our defensive penalty area, which is relatively low, but I think, you know, we had only 195 touches in the defensive third overall, only three fewer times did we do that last year. So, I mean, to me, that's yet another kind of Rafa versus Carlo change. Um, but look, in all of this kind of bad completion rate and forcing long balls and being more direct and being kind of uglier and less precise with it, the results weren't too bad. No, look, we had an expected assist number of 1.9. And we only topped that one other time all last season. Passes into the penalty area. We only had more five times last season. Crosses into the penalty area tied for the highest last year. So even though the passing, you know, hey, I, I just think it was very purposeful, Ryan. Like we didn't yeah. have we didn't waste a lot of time passing it around the back trying to lure the defense. And we know that Southampton typically like to press. We were just like, F that. We're going over the top. We're going deep. Sure. We're going long. And the emphasis on crosses, again, it made a lot of sense given for this one individual match, but I think it's um We'll see Maybe. more than we did last year. We, we will. I mean, I don't think we're going to sure. leave that. I mean, we had 18. That was like ninth in the league. I mean, it's not like we had so many crosses relative to the rest of the league. I mean, it wasn't some seismic shift, but it was different. And, and I think it was good against this team. I mean, I think Townsend in there, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I won him serving the ball. I mean, if we were to right. get another right wing that could be more direct and maybe attack and shoot and score a little bit more, we'll probably see less. Uh, certainly we're going to be in a lower block at times against the better teams. And you'll see more longer balls out to Dom to kind of receive. And hopefully there'll be more, you know, counterattacks and channels open and we won't need to do that as much, but against them today, it was great. And it was dangerous and it was quick and fast and effective. And they weren't sure how to handle it because they're not great at it, you know, and, and that's it. And it was effective. So kudos to Rafa. I got no problems with that. Um, look, he's not going to care too much about possession. We know that. The one thing I did like, though, is in general, I mean, players were used differently. I mean, if there's one thing that you hammered more than anyone in our squad assessment was that we need to get more out of Alon and Decore. We signed yeah. these guys for very specific skill sets. And while I don't think Alon is the best fit for um, Rafa Benitez, certainly Decore needed to be used differently. And we saw that today. We saw Wobi pushed up higher. I don't think he touched the ball in his own end. Thank God. You know what I mean? And, and was more effective as a result. So I think some of that was, was encouraging. Um, there was also a pretty distinct difference, I think, in the defensive setup. I and mean, we were not pressing up high and weren't as, weren't as extended, I think, as a result. And it was effective. Yeah, absolutely. Like Southampton, it's the type of side that are going to struggle to break down teams on a low block. And so we were content, although we didn't like sit back to the extent that I maybe some might have expected. No. Even I kind of expected we and that I think has to do with the opposition. Obviously, certain other teams were going to be sitting very low and very compact. But we, we just didn't press higher. That, that yeah, I think is exactly. the difference. I mean, we had only 15 pressures in the attacking third. We, we only had fewer than that twice last season. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, I think you're going to see the difference is going to be, you know, how compact we are. And we were very compact. I think the back line has got to move up a little higher. I mean, we can't sit in a low block like Newcastle would forever. Right. But but as long look, it's a lot easier to defend 30 yards of vertical space than it is 50. So, sure. I mean, I, I felt too often Carlo got higher but the back line didn't go with him. So you had this massive vertical space, especially between the midfield and the back line. We saw that fewer today. A couple times we saw some guys get out of position, but let's get into the player performance because I think it was more kind of evident in, in some of the numbers. And look, the bottom line is you had some interesting player performances because we were concerned about them attacking from the left. I mean, Janae Poe can dribble. You know, he looked dangerous. Um, 
Parade has a reputation of being able to go forward. And Armstrong was over there and Shea was over there winning headers against Holgate. So if they're stacking guys over there, Ward Prowse is dangerous. You don't want to foul too often too. Right. Um, I think it was natural to see that you might see that reflected in the numbers of say Coleman, whose defensive numbers were very good, but Townsend as well. Yeah, Townsend actually didn't really have the greatest defensive numbers, especially. He was dribbled past five times. Uh, he was eighth in the league last year, but 33rd in pressure. Yeah, so, so that's not, you know, if you're not, not pressuring good. that much and doing that, although his pressuring was very good today. And and look, yeah, he's had some bad games in the past. I mean, he was 0 for 5 in tackles twice last year, 0 for 6 twice, 1 for 7 once. And he was 0 for 5 for us. But I, I don't think that's, I, you know, his pressures were good. I'm not so sure how accurate that stat was. I went back and watched every single one of Janapo's dribbles, believe it or not. This is the type of psycho <laughs> stuff that I do. And yeah, he rinsed Townsend a couple times, but not totally flushed him. And Coleman did really well against him. So, I mean, you got to look at, I think, as more of a collective. I think Decore, totally. Coleman, and, and Townsend worked together. And look, at the expense of Andros Townsend getting up the field. And right. that's what was necessary today. And Rafa knew that. So kudos for him. Um, I, I, none of this was concerning, I think, to me personally. Uh, and, and Townsend had the header, too, to get the assist on Richarlison's. Right. I thought Alon's defensive performance was a little concerning, but maybe that was a byproduct of him being a little bit on an island at times with Dean pushing up higher. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think Alon and Corey pushing up as well. So Alon may be caught in some space more often than not. And we know he's not necessarily the most laterally quick guy, but two for six in terms of uh, dribbled past uh, dribbled past four times. I think he's still, as you said, he may not be the greatest fit for Rafa Benitez's system. And so there may be some settling that needs to be done um, in terms of positioning and getting to know what to expect from Decore and sort of his new, more attacking, ambitious, getting up and up and down role. Um, I mean, look, but said, last year, I mean, he was seventh in the league in most times dribble. Pass. He gets dribble pass. He's a little slow. He can but what get does beat. he also do, though? He pressures and wins the ball back. A lot. Right. I, I just think the balance wasn't there for him. He just seemed like little bit out of sorts into space at times but look Southampton loves to kind of attack directly very fast and when that's taken away which for the most part we did they tried to get it outside and they, they really never found too many holes I mean look you know it's one thing to say okay a guy gets by a lawn but it's not a collective attack there aren't that many options right. so it's not hard for Keen or someone else to step up and pick them up so um nothing overly disturbing but but we did see a little bit in the manchester united match so i mean it does have me slightly concerned um no problems with him on the ball though we know we're going to see that and he knows yeah. i mean he gave the interview early in the season to say i know i got to move the ball very quickly and change my style so i think it's just going to take some time for everyone to adjust to to the new tactics um I, no other i mean look we talked about the center halves no reason to beat that into the ground we did have some good performances i i think overall mm. absolutely so i think Three major candidates stood out, and I think first and foremost, for I wanted match. to man of yes for man of the match indeed. Um, Richarlison deserves a special shout out. Obviously, he's played what like fifteen matches for Brazil since he last Unreal. played for Everton. Came back and looked like he had been well rested and recovered. The work rate, everything. I mean, five progressive carries, four for seven successful dribbles, an assist, and a goal. And the nutmeg, Ryan. The, the nutmeg. <laughs> 
Loved it, baby. I loved his dummy too off the cross. I, oh, that Luke was had, so Luke good. Luke Dean, how good was that cross? I couldn't even believe he got it, got it off. The angle he had to deliver it in was almost backwards. It was a fab. Luke, we never talk about Luke Dean and <laughs> our man for the match shouts, but he is just consistently great. Um, I just think we didn't have to rely on him in terms of delivery the whole time. So maybe that was right. why we didn't and i think that will change a little bit like for example in the second half we really came to light gray was playing more in front of him i mean dean didn't seem like yeah. he was getting and occupying that wide space quite as much because we were attacking so quickly um but that was what, a what lovely I, dummy and what i'll give dean credit for because i want every time i watch him he, <laughs> he basically does the same thing to get a cross off where he'll just do kind of a hesitation and then take like a touch to the to the end line and somehow he always manages to get the cross off. It feels like the most predictable move in the world, but he always creates just enough space to be able to, to release the cross, which is awesome. Um, but also Dominic Calvert-Lewin on top of Richarlison. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Before you do that, Dean had one of the, I've never seen him so mad so quickly at a player oh. in my life. Do you remember what I'm talking about? When he got about? shoved, right? Oh yeah. Did, how did they not see this? I mean, that was crazy. Was it? Tell tell it just kind of, shoved him like at the last minute he shoved him and just put him into the you know the advertisements and it was a completely dirty play and dean was i mean throwing all sorts of expletives at him for like the next five minutes straight yeah. that was an absolute garbage play um romeo had another cheap shot earlier too but i kind of expected from him that scumbag. was absolutely <laughs> scumbag i hope you do no i mean that that was completely <laughs> uncalled for honestly and i i can't believe it what that's one where you got to call foul and warn him i i thought it was dangerous yeah. and he should have picked it up um but anyway that that was pretty funny to see him kind of come come to life that way but anyway i'm sorry back to dominic calvert okay. he was kind of the recipient a lot of this early crossing i mean I don't think he did that well receiving the ball. His numbers no. were bad. It was like 31.5% in terms of receiving, but we're going to see that, right? Because he's going to get a lot of aerials and winning six out of 13 isn't bad for a center forward, I don't think. No, when you're getting them pinged up to you and you're having back to goal and doing all these sorts yeah. of things, it's almost a little bit like pre-Carlo DCL where he's relied on to be the target man and kind of yeah. that type of guy, but also combining that with his offensive contributions because he was still able to get five shots, two on target, and obviously got the goal as well. He's just such an athletic specimen. And like, again, some smaller center backs or defenses are going to have one heck of a time trying to mark him and, and freeze him out of games this season because he really looks to be continuing his development quite nicely and, and just can body people on back lines for Premier League defenses. Yeah, look, if he's occupying two center halves and creating space behind him, I mean, that's kind of what you want. That's tougher against exactly. Southampton because those other center halves, center center mids drop back and stay stay compact. But, I mean, it just drove him back the whole match. So, I mean, it's just tough to deal with. Um, but ultimately, I think the guy who's got to be the number one candidate for man of the match, and, and Richarlison was great too. I got to give him credit. I mean, we mentioned DeCorey's 18 recoveries. I mean, but there was so much Crazy. more than that. I mean, the game-winning goal, his... I mean, he, did he make a bad touch on a pass the whole match? It didn't feel like it. And he had the highest pass percentage in the team and only missed like four passes the entire match. So <laughs> unbelievable. Mean, yeah. I mean, long passes, four for four, right? Three progressive passes. So it wasn't like he wasn't being somewhat expansive, too. Um, and I thought he worked really well with Townsend and Coleman to stuff their left side attack. He had five clearances. Um, I mean, he won a bunch of aerials, two stepping back, at least two that I saw. I mean, look, and, and it seemed like the listeners agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And and there was certainly some consensus. I think he probably won just about every post-match poll, but there were 
there were some other shouts people who were impressed with uh we had paula douglas uh at worsley doug l-a-s-p that's probably not how it's pronounced but uh said great for me great pace still doesn't seem real to have rafa there but love the team too much to not give him a chance dcl is fearless and he is he really just goes in with reckless abandon head first not a care in the world will put his cranium in harm's way at a moment's notice you love to see it um we also I, had but I, go ahead. I, you know let's talk about gray for one second because i felt sure. like we didn't really give him any time um yeah I, I i've been i think people have misunderstood maybe at least some of the things that i've said about him I, I like the deal i think it's a good risk on a guy that has pace to burn um when he's playing direct and he did not do that at byron, byron leverkusen last year and i think that was the frustration he was slowing down the play he's not great playing one touch He's really not. If you watch him very closely, rarely does he play a one-touch pass. He has to one settle and then go to dribble. And it drives me crazy because I think he slows the game down. If Rafa can break him of that, and there was a great sequence early where he played a one-touch ball, you know, into DCL and got ricocheted back from DCL to Richarlison. And, and yep. I think he got fouled in a very dangerous spot. It was a great sequence, and I'm so excited to see it. And then you saw in the second half where he was running. He blew by you know, their right side at one point, just showing his pace. If we can get him to play direct and take some of the thought process out of things in his service, which I think Rafa did today. Notice every cross he had went right to the right to the edge of the six. Yeah, because if you see him play like his right foot in particular, it's really good. I mean, there's a reason why he takes penalties and he can take free kicks with his right foot. It is really, really good. Um, but sometimes his decision making is questionable. And, and if he doesn't know how to play faster, I think Rafa's going to help him. I, I think this is going to end up being a good deal for us. But I don't want people to expect that much from the guy yet. And I think it was a little unfair to play him at the 10, but he did OK. And look, he was an important part of the attack. He deserves credit for playing, playing well, I think. Yeah. And look, uh, I don't want to talk too poorly about players who have participated for Everton in the recent past, but. We talked about in the squad assessment how Gilfie Sigurdsson just kills the team. His absence today, getting some more pace in there, I think really was was crucial in, in yeah. our ability to play direct. So we won't uh, belabor Gray, that point too much. But Gray ran out of gas at 1.2 defensively. Um, but I, I'd rather see him do that than, frankly, be lazy and try and conserve sure. energy. Because that, I mean, people have gotten on him in the past. The big knock against him is he thinks he's a superstar. You know, and he yeah. thinks maybe he's better than he is and, he, you know, too much of an ego. I'm not saying any of this is fair. I don't know the man. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's true, but that's been the knock on him. And I think at Leverkusen, that was it, too. Wanted to hold the ball, wanted to be the playmaker, things like that. So if Rafa can get him playing to his strengths, I think he's going to be a very effective player for us. Um, at Halifax, Dave brought up Decore, comma, Awobi magic when he just gets to attack. And we talked about that. He's just more effective in that way. So it was good to see him used in the proper way, even if he was on the wrong side still. Yep, absolutely. We then had Chad B at Chad Boyles one say adjustments were sound, handed them their one goal, Decore and Animal, <laughs> Wobi and Coleman silencing critics, strikers slotting, terrific debuts, loved the pressure put on in the second half. If there's one thing Carlos struggled with, it was subs. Solid, solid match week one. I think that... Yeah. Yeah, I, I on a lot. whether you argue it was a great tactical sub necessarily, the adjustments did make an impact. And yes. I think uh, I think, look, Benitez did a good job sensing when they had momentum. You know, they had momentum going into halftime. He made changes and it benefited us. He saw them having momentum from about the 60th to the 70th. He put a Wobie in just as a change and move some players around. And I think it benefited us. Was it a masterstroke? No, but that's what subs are for. Use them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, we talked about Benitez's uh, fixation on tactics and can be a little bit of a control control freak, but maybe that has his upside, certainly yeah. in terms of in-game adjustments. He, he is willing to try different things and ask specific things from players that are coming on the pitch to make an impact. And that seemed to, to pay dividends on Saturday. Um, moving along here, we had David Molyneux at DMX551 said, Gray looked threatening, and it's noticeable that crosses are coming in immediately rather than patiently trying to work an opening. And we talked about that a lot, but just yeah, the directness. Gray. That helps. It's Gray refreshing. Yes. It, and it, I think that really helps Goodison uh, get behind the team because when there is that sort of uh, meandering approach to matches where we're just sort of aimlessly passing it back and forth, it really kind of lulls the crowd into a, a stupor almost well uh, look i'll be the first one to say like benitez's style of play is not my cup of tea uh, sure that's fair <laughs> I, absolutely I, I mean i'm not saying i don't appreciate it and understand it can't be effective but maybe it is plays more to the identity we talked about the team's lack of identity and a playing style that kind of is derived from it i mean look rafa expects you to work your tail off play directly play aggressively i, I felt like we were a little feisty at times too kicking people we were more physical I think that's a natural kind of result of playing like this. You know what I mean? Going in hard for challenges because you're playing fast. You know, I think we'll see more sitting back and we'll probably have some people yelling at us for doing that later in the season. But, sure. you know, if you can be defensively stout, take advantage of your opportunities, you can be dangerous. I think the bigger problem we have is the personnel that aren't necessarily conducive to this approach. And we'll right. see how it goes better when we got to sit back. But look, you know what? I can't argue that the defense wasn't effective. And I think at boss man junior laid it out very well for us. Yeah. So laid out a little XG graphic, but essentially the point is gave up one awful chance. Little else had over two XG only did that four times all last season. We scored three goals only did that four times last season. And with our missing players who we mentioned at the top could provide some depth in an actual bench. Now, we don't have to get into this now, Ryan, but James is flippantly kind of dismissive about his prospects of remaining at Everton. But I have to say, I was uh, just imagining the impact that JPG could have alongside DeCore potentially in midfield, like the level yeah. of coverage and energy that that could provide. So well, there is some some guys coming back that were conspicuously absent on Saturday that could provide some depth. And I, I still say stacking Hamas on top of Dom winning balls and then playing it to guys running in behind could be absolutely deadly. But Hamas has got to be able to get up there in order for that to happen. you got to support that. But I think that's OK. You know, maybe he's not going to run and dash by people. I mean, Gray didn't really do that. He carried the ball a bit, but um, I, I still think he could be very effective. It's just you knew when you hired this guy that that may not work. Uh, the only thing I'd say against the kind of the F, obviously, it's hard to do XG in single game. And RuPaul Pogba knows that just like everybody else does um i think the problem is our, our two our one chance in the 16th was maybe our best that didn't result in a shot you know in the in the 20th right. i thought that that was a very dangerous play and, and dom had a little tap which was a low xg event so i mean i think it's a little bit distorting i, I think if anything it was probably even more one-sided uh in, in my opinion um but yeah i mean and look we got a couple at the end too when it was already it was kind of underhand but um look we deserve the win game it deserved to win the game pardon me um, and look, I mean, I, I love this at Dan, um, Exadmer, uh, you know, Phaedrus, uh, watching the excitement of the players when they ran to the crowd each time they scored a brilliant human experience. And I mean, the Takori goal was just so great. It was so great. And even, uh, the Richarlison one, as well as Dominic Calvert-Lewin kind of running behind the goal alongside the fans, it was just 
totally different. Football is nothing without fans. We've said it so much, but it really, you kind of felt the weight of that taking place today. And, and Steve Huxley at ping ping user one nailed it, said the fans. That was his highlight. Favorite moment was the reaction to AD stunner. Then the DCL clincher, the old lady at its best. And it certainly was in a fine form Saturday afternoon. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, taking a step back, there, there's a lot to work on here. I mean, you know, but you can't, I mean, you got to appreciate the heart, the fight. Uh, that stuff was all there. Um, we're, it's going to take a long time to kind of really get fully fluid on what Rafael Benitez wants us to do. Um, but it's a big three points for sure. And, and to come back the way we did when we hadn't done that in so long. Um that aspect was encouraging to me. Now, look, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not nuts here. I mean, I, I know that if some of these guys don't come back or we move a James Rodriguez, we have to strengthen in other areas. I mean, yeah. You can't expect Seamus Coleman to be your only legitimate right back going forward. Um, I think we'll get an added bump with Ben Godfrey and, and Yeri Mina hopefully working together. I can't imagine that you wouldn't start those guys next week. Uh, we also have a cup match middle of next week as well, too, I think, um, if my memory serves me correctly. So to give us more times to really work it, uh, we'll see. Leeds is a totally different beast, but it was great moments, and um, it's a great way to start off the season. Absolutely. We'll take it for what it's worth. We're not As we do on this show, Ryan, not get too high, not get too low, but certainly enjoyable way to start the 2021-22 season and with that, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. If you haven't already, check out our stuff on Toffee TV. We dropped a Florida Cup review. That was a lot of fun and hope everyone will uh, look at that and enjoy it. Check out if you want to find our social media, the links to our Discord. Pretty much all of our, our links are consolidated on linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you could leave us a rating review, subscribe to us on YouTube, on your podcast platform of choice, that helps us out a lot and would be much appreciated. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time. And until then, up the toffees. <laughs>